0: We just settle back into sitting for a moment, and whatever posture you're in is totally spiritual enough. Just let your eyes close. Settle back down into your body. you to just notice a couple of things with your eyes closed. Just notice the sound of my voice. Notice that you don't have to do the hearing, right? Sound is happening. It would actually be harder to not hear me than actually just to receive it in awareness, right? Now, the second thing, if you open your eyes and you look in my general direction, I just magically appear. You don't have to do the seeing. So what I want you to experiment with is just staying in your own experience, right? Resting in your own awareness, about 80%. And then leaning out about 20% just to get me. So you don't have to leave yourself completely to receive the world. And this is one of the ways we get our lives back, is that we rest in our own bodies, and we're still able to take in the world in actually a much fuller way. So just experiment. Some, some of you might lean out further, some lean back further. It's all good. It's just a part of uh, my practice that I wanted to share with you. Stay present to your entire experience, like what I'm saying, what you agree with, what you don't agree with, right? Watch the reactions in the body. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Sometimes uh, what I'm... Can you hear me in the back? Yeah? Good. Thanks. Sometimes I have a sense when I'm going to a a Dharma talk, it's some sort of like good for me entertainment, you know? It's like, oh man, I got to be stimulated by some Dharma, you know? Give me some good shit, you know? Give me something that's going to change my practice, you know? And tonight I wanted to talk about this practice that we've been doing in the afternoons. This metta practice. It's uh, Pali for loving and kindness. And it's part of uh, the Brahma Viharas, or heavenly abodes. And there's four of them, which uh, coincides to how many chambers there are in our heart. Which is, I think it's very... Beautifully poetic, you know? And the four of them are love and kindness. Another translation is unconditional friendliness. I like that one too. It's not so woo-woo, you know? So, unconditional friendliness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. And the first two, uh, unconditional friendliness and compassion, it can be a little bit strange to sort them out, so I'll just take a moment. And my understanding on the difference between love and kindness and compassion is like this. They seem to be like two beautiful wishes. Right? On one hand, compassion is the kind of love that sees beings suffering and wishes for its release. Or for their release. Where loving kindness sees the good in beings. And wishes for their happiness. So loving kindness sees what's good. Compassion sees what's hard or difficult. And I know like when I came to this practice. I understood these to be rather supplemental. Kind of a after dinner mint meditation. After we do the hardcore Vipassana, I eh, throw some love stuff in there too, you know? Show that compassion stuff is nice for afternoon kind of come down. <laughs> I don't understand them like that anymore. I don't hold them like that. Actually, we found some uh, scriptures from the Buddha in the Suttas saying, these in and of themselves, would lead to enlightenment. These are enlightenment practices. I think that's so beautiful that just by working on the heart, wisdom would arise and that you would become free. Just with these beautiful practices. Unbelievable. I actually used to hate these practices. It's so funny that it's where I <laughs> floated toward, but as is life, right? Right? Yeah, I, I really thought it was some, like, Mr. Rogers shit, you know? You guys got Mr. Rogers here? Huh? <laughs> it was a very corny TV show growing up in America. In this practice, this vipassana that we've been practicing, we're told to look inside with kind awareness, to be unconditional, friend, unconditionally friendly, or unconditionally kind to whatever it is that floats through awareness. Right. So the pain in my knee, my noisy neighbor, this terrible memory, this beautiful fantasy, all being received in kind awareness. This is the idea, anyway. This is what we're reaching for. And it's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple, right? The directions are very simple. I appreciate that. Mm. Jack Cornfield tells the story of this huge banyan tree. I think it's in Sri Lanka. And it has a sign on it. And it says, See how this tree offers its fragrance and shade to everyone, even to the man that wields the axe who comes to cut it down. So how are we to live in this crazy world with an open heart and this is the question how do we how do we do that part of this dance where people die they leave they betray right all of these things we end up feeling angry or resentful abandoned The way I understand it is that this is all part of the conditioned realm. You know, everything that people do is all part of the conditioned realm. As the Buddha laid it out, he said, Look, these are the marks, these are the characteristics of existence. These things are not who you are, they're not going to lead to happiness, and they're going to keep changing. This is what we know. So when people do what they do, I try to understand it through, through a Dharmic perspective, like this person that is actually teaching me something about the Dharma once again. no matter how annoyed I am at you, you are my teacher in this moment, because there is Dharma coming through. So it's not such a surprise. After practice in a while, yeah. To allow things to be as they are—what a trip! Hmm. There's a story of this man walking up to the Buddha. And being like, damn, it's true, bro. You got mad love coming off you right now. You got, you're radiating love and kindness. How are you doing that? You know? This dude was just tripping out on the Buddha, you know? So he could experience it. It was right there. The Buddha told him he no longer had ill will. In hatred, that he had cut it out at the root, and all that remained is a free heart. So what does he mean, cut it out at the root? What does it mean to have a free heart? I mean, he left us a pretty detailed map on how to get there. I'm so grateful. You know, it's like so hard already to be enlightened. And the dude left a complete map. (laughs) Imagine if he didn't leave that. (laughs) Because nobody left it for him, right? I mean, how many lifetimes is he practicing, you know? Who knows? So he told us to look inside, inside this phantom long body and pay attention to our patterns. To our habits, to understand ourselves, to be intimate with ourselves and the world. And I love that idea, to be intimate. That hmm. means to really get close to life. Hmm. It can be so easy to misunderstand and use this as some kind of spiritual bypass, you know. I don't need to connect to the world. I'm meditating. Om. He was asking us to get really, really close to life. And when we start to look, we start realizing this is... uh, The eyes that we've been looking through, so powerful how we create our experience in every moment. Like we're literally creating the world with our perception. Amazing. And uh, as we begin these method practices, we always start with ourselves, right? May I be happy? As uncritical as possible is unselective. Can I accept all these different parts of me? Beautiful, unskillful, all of it. Because, man, I don't know about you, but I am super tired of trying to be good. You know, like, I tried to eat vegetables and wear white and pray, and it just was terrible. It was a big washout. <laughs> <laughs> like the worst six months of my life. I did my best to suppress anything bad. I was a huge failure. And when I came to the Dharma, they told me it was more important to be complete than to be good. Ah, what a relief. They asked me to listen closely, internally, for what was screaming for my attention and care. Not to cut off from these parts of myself. That these, in fact, were parts that needed love the most. That's not where to turn your back. That's where to step forward. Wow, it's beautiful. When we're able to see that, right? When I'm able to see, like, as sincere as I am trying, and I still mess up and still hurt people, even with the best of intentions, even with all this practice, when I can accept that, then I can accept it in you a bit more. Right? It's like, wow, I know I'm trying my ass off. You look like you're trying pretty much too. So it's like, you know, there's a way that uh, once I have room for those things in me, I have room for them in the world. Basically, the practice is uh, five steps that Noah walked you through beautifully today. We start with ourselves or wherever it is we can feel it the most, that love and kindness. Then we use that as a reference point of how much we can actually feel it. Then we open it up To include our family, friends, loved ones. And to neutral people, folks we don't know. Just opening further and further this huge heart. And to people that are challenging or difficult. And finally to beings everywhere. This is where we get in touch with the boundless quality of love. The limitless quality. Ah. unconditional means not following our preferences when I wake up in the morning I make a clear commitment to myself every morning I try to do this that I'm going to be love and I work uh, a lot of times in prisons and it's a very uh, interesting place to try to be love a lot of my teachers are in prison. A lot of my teachers are even guards. And I'll be walking through these corridors of really tough-looking people. And I'll be slipping them some metta, you know? They don't know. You know? <laughs> A little black market underground metta, you know? <laughs> I go there because I feel like that's where my heart is needed most, you know? The work there can be really challenging. And in those moments, I like to check in with myself. Hey, bro, you still be in love, man? You still love right now? Even now? now? How about now? How about now? It's wild. It's yoga, man. How is it to be in that situation? And whenever I feel frustrated, I'm like, yo, man, check it out, bro. You share that condition with millions of people around the world. They are frustrated with the system that they are living on. And they don't get to leave. They don't get to eat whatever they want for dinner. I call them my teachers because they stretch my heart further than I think is possible. That's what our teachers do. You might have some teachers right in your own family. So to accept things in their totality, right? It's not just the cool parts where, you know, these men are sharing their stories of forgiveness or whatever we're doing together. It's not just that part that's beautiful. Right, that would be like looking at a sunset, and there's a beautiful sunset, and you're like, man, that beautiful everything, except for that one little cloud over there, huh? <laughs> it would be perfect if it wasn't for that cloud. This is what we do in our lives, it's crazy. I think about like, how long we've been practicing these unskillful qualities that so many of us have honed. You know, our judgment, our critical mind, aversion. So, you know, you come, it's your first retreat, and you're like, man, I've been really trying so hard. It's like, bro, you've got 30 years of telling yourself a story. We, we've been practicing for a day and a half, bro. Be easy, lower the bar. You know, I've been trying to get people to drop their standards for a while. <laughs> lower your standards. Please, for all of us. The fact that you made it here and you haven't left yet, huge celebration, man. Just acknowledge yourself for that. And if this was tough and you hated every minute, even more cause for celebration. I'm serious. Now, the way I understand this metta practice to work, well, the thing is, I just don't want to just talk about kindness as like it's some kind of profound thing and like you never thought of trying. You know, like, I don't know, um, Aldous Huxley, he's one of my favorite writers. And, you know, at the end of his life, a a huge intellect, you know, amazing man. And he just, you know, they said, well, what did you you come up with, man? You know, a lifetime of life and and thinking. And uh, I want to know what you came up with. He said, I don't know, try to be a little kinder. That would probably be like what I would tell the world. <laughs> Try to be a little kinder. And the Dalai Lama, I mean, you're keeping some noble-ass company, man. That's that's some heavy hitters right there that are saying kindness is the doorway. Which is different than affirmations for me, you know? Affirmation seems like it's trying to, you're trying to convince yourself of something. This works with directly on the causes of the conditions and its opposites, which is really interesting. See, metta uses the energy of connection to cultivate what is inside. Right? We recognize that feeling in our hearts. We cultivate that, right? We think about the things we love, the people we love, right? And it just kind of starts blossoming. We're not trying to figure out how to psychically send somebody some kind of love telegram. You know what I mean? Like I know we're sending it out, but it's really about cultivating this in our hearts. We're using it to open our hearts up and allow them to blossom. And we begin to realize, just by giving people the benefit of the doubt, knowing they're just like us, they're doing the best they can, we feel less critical. Right? We're eating out of the same bowl we're feeding the world from. So as we become less critical of ourselves, we become less critical of the world. Beautiful. And as we soften our gaze a little bit, the critical mind tends to lighten up. Good news. You know, so we begin accepting ourselves, we can begin to accept the world. If I could be friendly toward these places in me, I could be friendly toward these places in you, right? Because every time somebody's really pissing us off, it's it's only a reflection, right? It's some part of me that I really can't be with. So I want to push you away, I want to push you out of existence, because it reminds me of me. You know, um, my insights, I don't feel like uh, are really that deep. I feel like there's only a couple things that I have really super tasted the fruit of, but this happens to be one of them. This one, this practice that I hated, Changed my heart and it changed my life. And that's why I chose to talk about that tonight. Because I want to talk from direct experience. For me, this idea that just being nice would make me happy was like, you know, that was like big news hot off the press. Because in my neighborhood, it wasn't cool to be nice. It was really, it seemed really dangerous. When I started doing the practice, I started to feel the armor around my heart melting. I could actually feel my heart more. There was a real tenderness there. And as I... As I let go of this story that I was unlovable. I let go of the view that the world was unlovable as well. Really beautiful. Derek Wolcott writes, The time will come. With elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door and in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, "Sit here, eat, you will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give drink, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelves, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit and feast on your life. I love the way he writes because he's really demanding that we uncover these old broken hearts that we've turned away from and come home feast on your life we, we he's he's pointing at we try to ignore that whispering voice but we can't even our alienation is part of that what makes us so lovable and complete it can't be that the soul and the self can exist As either one, it's got to be, there's both. There can't be a a homecoming without an exile. So for me, that alienation that I felt so much in my life, to be thankful for that, that that had to exist for me to come home, ah. So we're not trying to manufacture something that is already there. We're trusting. Trusting it's already there. That's why sometimes people find it helpful to go back to that original innocence that we had when we were kids. When we were children. Before everything got so complicated. We begin to shift out of this separate isolation, this alienation that I just talked about. And we simply come to this truth that my life has something to do with yours. Like our freedom is bound together. And we don't feel so alone. Like that, that's what this practice really availed to me. You know, I was so self centered. You know, I felt like it was me against the world. You know, what's that saying? Uh, I'm not much, but I'm all I think about. You know? So uh, self absorbed. I think this is what the Buddha meant when he said he cut it out at the root, he had made his peace and accepted himself. He wasn't masking over what was there. He was just no longer triggered by other people because he had accepted these different parts of himself. He knew himself deeply. His words were, all that remains is a free heart. This is the infinite heart. This is how it's possible in Allah to love in the face of fear and doubt eh, with all the voices screaming in your head otherwise sometimes as we do this practice what arises is quite the opposite i hate this practice i hate everybody in this whole place right i remember just ah oh, i just the teachers would say these words and I was like, Where, what fucking neighborhood are you from? <laughs> are you kidding me? You want me to do what to my enemies? So sometimes what arises is what's in the way. right? Remember Mara. the fear always comes up when we get close to the truth. Leave no rocks unturned. No voices unloved. There is what's loved and what's longing to be loved. That is it. Even if there's still a place that's holding back, that doesn't believe it, that hates it, you just All your job is to just love that too You're numb You can't feel anything Love that too There's no more waiting You know It all belongs You, I, you know what I, I just love these four words You can't do this wrong You know my whole life I thought I was doing everything wrong and the people around me told me such you know like may they let me know you're not doing this right you're not doing this moment right you're not doing this wrong you can't do this wrong all you got to do is love what arises every voice even the one that says this guy is full of shit love that too you know it's all good the thing I beg of you is to not turn this into another arena for self judgment this is the killer when we use this self-judgment in this practice, huh, it's such a heartbreaker, you know? The heart of suffering is thinking things should be different somehow. I should be further along. I should feel my heart more. I shouldn't feel my heart this much. It's like some kind of crazy shell game we play with ourselves. How some other moment is going to hold what this one doesn't. If freedom exists anywhere, it has to exist in this moment. It actually can't exist any other moment, because no other moment exists. So if freedom doesn't you know, exist in this moment, it doesn't exist anywhere. Your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. We have the locks and the keys. You know? I was uh, telling this Nisargadatta story. He was an Indian master of non-dualism and he's sitting there with some students and a guy comes barging in and throws out a question at him and he he gives him his answer and the guy, you know, screams back at him hey, get out of here and, you know, runs out the door and, you know, the students just kind of look at Nissa like look, man, you're enlightened what is going to happen to that dude? I mean, it's too late for that guy even the fact that he walked in here That means his heart is opening, and it's blossoming, and there is nothing he's going to be able to do to stop that. (laughs) So welcome. (laughs) It's too late for all of you. (laughs) Rachel Raymond writes, There are laws of our inner world that bind each of us as firmly as gravity. Beliefs that we carry about ourselves and about life in general that we experience as true in all conditions and at all times. A feeling of personal unworthiness is one such law. But one moment of unconditional love may call into question a lifetime of feeling unworthy and invalidated. One moment of unconditional love can call into question a lifetime. So we're opening these hearts to ourselves and we're opening our hearts to the world. And I want you to understand that when we're Asking people back into our hearts, this has nothing to do with inviting them back into your home. There's still things called unacceptable behavior in abusive relationships. And I'm not telling you to turn yourself into a welcome mat for some dharmic purpose. Does that make sense? We still get to say... Yeah, who comes in our house? Unacceptable behavior still exists and we should protect ourselves against it. I just don't think living in a prison of a constricted heart is the best best answer. I will not do that anymore. When we sit in the privacy of our own hearts... At what cost is it to shut anyone out of this? Limiting our love. I want to wish the whole world happiness except for this one mother effort. I can't have somebody stand in the way of the boundlessness that is my birthright. So when we're no longer willing to pay that price we expand. Hearts are so resilient. Hafiz he says, we have not come here to take prisoners but to surrender ever more deeply to freedom and joy. We have not come into this exquisite world to hold ourselves hostage from love. Run my dear, from anything that may not strengthen your precious budding wings. Run like hell, my dear, from anything likely to put a sharp knife into the sacred tender vision of your beautiful heart. We have not come here to take prisoners or to confine our wondrous spirits, but to experience ever and ever more deeply our divine courage, freedom, and light. 700 years later, reaching true time and space. So what would it be like to extend love in one more direction, to one more person. Find one thing about them that deserves our love, our kindness. Even if it's just a wish we share for their happiness, everyone is deserving of that. There was a guy that walked into, he he ran into his friend, and he showed him a note that he had had in his pocket. And it said, if somebody smiles at me on the way to the bridge, I won't jump. And he was coming back. And somebody had smiled at him. we such fragile creatures. And it's so easy to just be nice to each other, to be kind, to just extend kindness in one more direction. We have no idea the load people are carrying. This is the freedom and liberation of the unobscured heart. Anything we practice, anything that we have inclined the mind toward, that's what we get good at. If we watch a lot of porn, we get lustful. If we lie a lot, we come really good at it. If we practice kindness, we get really good at it. The Buddha is just saying, incline your mind toward kindness is a beautiful doorway. If hatred worked, we would teach that. <laughs> You know, because B- the Buddha s- said that a lot. He was like, you know, I wouldn't teach you this unless it worked. You know what I mean? I would not ask you to do this if it didn't work. It's the same way, you know. That's why I appreciate his teaching so much. And this, the Dharma is often uh, compared to this bird, you know, with two wings of wisdom and compassion. This beautiful bird that flies toward freedom as we sit with these two these two energies, you know. And that's why we keep uh, asking everyone to be as gentle as possible. Because we know that as we're gentle, that is the world that we're creating, that we live in. So we're all creating it together. It's Like yeah, how about if we're just really, really nice? Do you like how that feels? If if like fifty people are all inclining their hearts toward kindness, it feels beautiful to me. The mind creates the divide; the heart crosses it. You know, I said it yesterday. I thought my heart was supposed to something I was supposed to hide from the world. I don't feel that way anymore. It's like I want to offer my heart up every day to this crazy, confused world, and whoever it is I come into contact with. So we're resilient, you know. These hearts heal. Ugh. Oh, I didn't think it was possible for a a kid where I came from. The things that I had lived through, the things that I did. And the question was asked this morning about is it safe? You know. There's a lot of ways to interpret that word. I gotta say that I don't know you know growing up my mother was the closest person to me like my best friend when I was 17 I uh, I came home to find her dead didn't say goodbye no hug she was 37 I never thought I could let somebody in ever again. I was in Budapest about ten years ago. I was sitting on a street curb. I was sad. I was crying. And as I was crying, I was uh, thinking about my wife. And all of a sudden I became overjoyed that I had let somebody in that uh, I let somebody matter. Beautiful celebration for me. I think that's the beauty of love. That maybe it won't always be like this, but I have to do this anyway. I'm willing to risk love This is yeah. when, when love takes you, you know yeah. these brahma viharas, these divine abodes, you know abode means a place to live from not not some masking of what's there, but Actually, choosing our intention toward all beings. you know there was this beautiful poem in the, I think it was Mirabai, and she said, "You know, at the end of the day, I laid in my bed and considered every being that I had shared love with that day, And it was every being I came into contact with. And then she wrote. That's a hell of a productive day. <laughs> the nature, the natural radiance of the unobscured heart. So beautiful. Our true nature to practice living from that place. When and wherever the angel of death finds me, I hope that's what's in my heart. These words of the Buddha just as with her own life a mother's shields from her her only child let all embracing thoughts be for all beings be yours all beings be yours hmm I truly appreciate your attention and your the sincerity of your practice. It's been really beautiful to be here with you. Hmm. So I want you to just uh, as we end here tonight this talk, I want you to just hold yourself with gentleness, you know, wherever you find in yourself, you know, whether you loved it, whether you hated it, whether you can't wait to leave, whether you want to sign up to be a nun, it's all good, all received in awareness, you know, all received in kind awareness, you know. Hmm. Hmm. so it's going to be one more session of uh, walking and true and then sitting again beautiful and we have a practice leader someone's going to ring it thank you brother cool maybe we just sit for a moment before we leave each other's company